minutes. If you have not followed his Triple H Horse Racing Podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country. Hello and welcome to episode 281 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your proud host, Howard Kravitz. Thank you very much for joining us tonight for a very special show as we talk about stories from Saratoga, triumph and tragedy. What an incredible week last week at Saratoga Springs, New York for yours truly and the entire podcast. We're going to talk about it tonight. Please make sure you subscribe right there on the bottom hand side of the screen. Hit that notification bell and also smash that like button. That'll help everyone here at the YouTube channel. Of course, you can follow me at H Kravitz on my name tag there on X, can't call Twitter anymore, and scrolling the bottom of the screen, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. And of course, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We have fantastic power picks. I don't want to promote anything else tonight. I want to get right to uh, our conversation this evening. But again, look below the video player, of course, for our power picks. We have a great website. You guys know uh, the drill. Last week was quite quite the week, uh, incredible week. I know we're going to have a lot of people watching live, so please join us in the live chat for any questions and comments that you have because there's a lot uh, to talk about. Let's see who is uh, here. We have Steve Grutner is here. Good evening, Howard. Back to the grind school. <laughs> you better believe it, Steve. Today was my first day, actually. We had just had meetings today. The students come back Monday, but, yes, we are ready to – get back at it. Jeff Amster says, hi, Howard and Paul. And we've, Pete's going to be here. we got a lot of people that are going to be here tonight, actually. As someone who was at the track last Saturday and at Belmont for the 90 Breeders' Cup Gopher Wand, I'm still devastated by what happened to Maple Leaf Mel. We're going to talk about it, Jeff. Um, there, It was awful. I mean, there's really, there are many superlatives and adjectives you can give to it, but um, it was very bad. Uh, Sylvain, from Montreal, thanks for joining. Richard uh, Avalar, good evening, folks. How is Saratoga? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Look who's here. Allison Miller, daughter of Matt Miller. Ready to hear more about an incredible weekend for the crew. And Allison, by the way, if I may say, is a first-year school teacher. She is starting her teaching career, I believe, teaching sixth grade social studies. Allison, wish you a lot of luck. Um uh, I know you're going to really enjoy uh, teaching. Congratulations on uh, your wonderful educational career uh, as a student. And now you get the other side as a teacher. So, Allison, you're going to rock it out. Good luck to you um, also. Uh, Matt Miller is eight of us waiting. Four have already hit thumbs up. I suppose we can retract it if necessary. No, don't retract anything, Matt. Matt's going to be coming on. We got Roshan is here. A lot of people are here. Let me bring on um, two people who have been an integral part of the show for a good year and a half. And one of them I had the pleasure of meeting for the first time this past weekend. First, let's bring on from the Saratoga special who was very busy uh, this past week, not only enjoying the races, but also working as well. And of course, from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Mr. Paul Halloran. And now I can say I've met this next gentleman in person from Maryland and first-timer at Saratoga this past weekend, Mr. Pete Visco. Guys, welcome. How are we doing tonight? 
Not too bad. What's going on, guys? Hey, Paul. Good evening, Pete. How are you? I am fantastic. Paul and I have that uh, look like we just got hit by a truck a little bit. We're still trying to recover from a very long week, Paul. But you should have saved me Monday. You should have saved me Monday. I look well, this great. This is an improvement, huh? Monday. <laughs> All I know is I can't drink the way I used to. That that's what I learned again this weekend, which I, which I learned every time I try and do it now. But two full days of more, <clears throat> excuse me, morning to night booze is not my friend at 51 years old anymore. Yeah. Well, listen, Sarah, as I think uh, JK put it very nicely on the uh, Fox show, if you are on his own show, I think on in the money media, I think he heard this from a few friends. It's not the 40 days or whatever number of days, Paul, it's the number of nights at Saratoga that can get you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, there's no rule against starting during the day, as Pete found out. <laughs> for sure. Guys, here's what we're going to do. Let me set the stage for everyone. we got a lot to talk about. We're at Matt Miller's going to be on here in a little bit. I think Kyle Roscoe is going to try to be on from Wisconsin. Uh, we'll have people coming on uh, here and there. We're going to go for approximately an hour. Uh, here's what we're going to do, folks. Uh, I've categorized last week or la- this past weekend uh, into two categories, basically. The good and the bad, which is very simplistic, but that's what it is. There are a lot of good things that happened last week, this past weekend. We're going to touch on it. Unfortunately, there are some very bad things that happened this weekend. And, you know, Paul and Pete, we're big fans of Nye. We're big fans of Saratoga. But, Paul, I'll address to you first. If we want to be honest to our viewers and listeners and honest to ourselves, we can't always look at racing with rose-colored glasses. And certainly there's some things that we need to talk about this weekend uh, that we need to address other than the wonderful things as well. Yeah, yeah, there, there was some uh, on track, off track. You know, we had the cancellation Friday, uh, although who knew that that would, you know, based on what happened Saturday and to a degree even Sunday, that really wasn't that big a deal. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's all perspective, Howard. I get as fired up about this stuff as anyone. But uh, I got to tell you, after after the eighth race Saturday, I wasn't really getting too upset about anything else that could have happened, including cancellations, winning bets, losing bets, photos, you name it. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean you, you know, you excuse them because there were mistakes made and they've admitted their mistakes. And it seems like the stewards, uh, stewards played a leading role, <laughs> at least in the Sunday shenanigans. But, uh, you know, I think everything is put in its proper perspective with, when you start at the, the test stakes. Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk about that. I see Matt Miller is in the bullpen. Matt, we'll bring you on here uh, in just a minute. What we're going to do, guys, first is talk about, very briefly, guys, I just have the results, uh, Aquabase, of the three stakes I want to mention very briefly, the Troy, the Saratoga Derby, and the Whitney. And, Matt, we'll go ahead and bring you on uh, here in just a second for these races. You can feel free uh, to comment. I'm not sure how long Matt can be on with us tonight. Really appreciate him uh, hopping on because we had an incredible week. So uh, instead of just talking about Matt Miller, why don't we go ahead? <laughs> you guys are like, bring on the guy. He's just sitting there waiting. So let's bring him on. Fresh from a wonderful dinner with his wonderful wife. Uh, curious to know what maybe he had a little steak and salad, uh, knowing Matt if they – who knows what he had. But anyway, let's bring him on. Uh, BCBC champ, uh, great friend of all of ours. Um, I, I don't have enough good things to say. And before I bring Matt on screen, I have to say, guys, um, it's really nice to have friends that care, but it's especially nice to have friends that care and are generous. And Matt Miller was 
exceedingly generous this past week. Let's bring him on from Illinois. Here he is, Matt Miller. Matt, thanks for joining the show. How are you doing? Hey everybody, uh, this was a hamburger on a pretzel bun at Claim Company. Nothing crazy. Oh, all right. Uh, that'll work. By the way, Claim Company, excellent uh, salad bar. But anyway, no no one cares to hear about that. Guys, we're going to talk very briefly about the three stakes. Matt, feel free to chime in if you want. Matt, how long are you going to be here tonight, just so I know, or approximately? Because if you have to leave earlier, I want to get to the stuff that you are going to want to talk about the most. You can help oh. you hear the duration. The duration. Okay, you were cutting off there for a second. All right, let me go ahead and bring this on, guys. The first thing we're going to do here is I present. Nice to be home with the technology that uh, we all know and love here. Let's quickly talk about – I'll go full screen. Uh, and, Paul, we'll let you talk about first. This is the result of the Troy Stakes. Big upset, as Matt knows, because he was with me the entire weekend. I was trying to beat um, Caraval because the soft turf and whatnot. I did not have Cogburn, but this is a big upset. No balls finishing second, Paul. Yeah, you know, uh, Caravel just uh, never really got position. You know, it looked like he, uh, she got beaten to position going into the turn. And uh, at that point, you know, she, she was never going to win, you know, going into that turn. Um, you know, she's usually either on the lead or second. And, uh, yeah, I did not make Cogburn myself, to be honest with you. Uh, nobles or no balls, or however you pronounce it, uh, he, he ran fine. Uh, you know, I, I just didn't see that race coming from Cogburn. But, um, you know, Caravelle losing at whatever she was, Howard, she was odds on, I believe. If you, yes, I'll if you, go slide, if you slide over, scroll over. 55 yeah, cents so, the dollar. Yeah, so just over one to two. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> as someone mentioned later in the day, that's Saratoga. <laughs> it, it came into play. Uh, it came into play uh, after the uh, in the Whitney as well. Yeah, Pete, this designation at the top soft. I think that's really Caraval just never looked comfortable at any point. I know it was a, a fast pace. She didn't get the lead, but she is a huge playback for me on firm turf. I just this is a one off to me. I think she's really good, and this was just the time to beat her. Yeah, and I, I assume she'll be bet that way most likely next time yeah. out. I don't think they'll hold it against her. I, this race pissed me off because I was Cogburn was my top choice and didn't oh. have a win bet on Cogburn. Oh. And yeah. um, me and my cousin Nick and my friend Mike, who I were, who I was with, we had Cogburn in the pick five, but missed one of the other legs, or it could have been a could have been a nice score. So basically, did nothing off of Cogburn. But I wasn't super surprised by the result, but was just more mad that I didn't benefit from it. Matt, not only did was that Pete's uh, apparently top pick, but I believe our buddy Brad Anderson liked the source, correct? Was, was Do I remember that correctly, Matt? I think he did. Um, <laughs> he may have been the only one in our group to like this one. Yeah. Uh, at least for myself, this is one. This is a race where I kind of lost confidence with the footing, and so thankfully it just wasn't a big bet, but I was definitely wrong too. Yeah, it was a tough one to have. I think this horse will bounce back uh, for sure. Let's talk about... Uh, the next race I wanted to discuss was the Saratoga Derby, which was a horse that won by a horse that I tipped out that I uh, liked a little bit. As we go ahead and um, eh, hold on a second. Sorry, got to get to. Uh, there it is. Just had to fast forward. And here it is. Saratoga Derby. Here's where the results program trading a horse that I tipped out on our show. I tipped out on um, the show with Seth Marrow. It was a bit of a guess, but it did work out well for me. A tactical Chad, very talented horse, and we got uh, three point uh, six to one. Pete, uh, the sky's the limit for this one because 
he tracked the pace and went on and and held off uh, Webslinger and Farbridge, paid 920. I thought it was a pretty impressive effort, Pete, especially considering this was only his third lifetime start. Yeah, this was <laughs> this might be a theme, but this was another one that annoyed me because it was an obvious pace advantage. And it was a horse you probably would play just on that alone. And it sort of worked out. I think you called it exactly right, where you said this horse would just probably get to the top. And there you go, Brad. I, you know, there you go, Brad. I'm, I'm glad up, Brad. Brad? Is, doing, I'm buddy? glad Brad is smarter than me, if nothing else. At <laughs> least we we great minds think alike, but great minds don't always bet alike, unfortunately. But <clears throat> I think it was a good call, and I think Web Slinger ran a fantastic race. I'm still not sure how Web Slinger didn't go by, aside from the fact that he didn't want to run straight, but. For my son on the Seth Merrill show, I, I said yep. I gave my son a shout out. So he got a yeah. second place or there. And then Farbridge just Farbridge just never really looked comfortable and, and never really got into it. So I don't know. That's probably a cross out race for that horse. And maybe that one will come back. But program trading, I mean, three for three. Right. If I'm remembering correctly. Yep. So yep. it's in the it's in good hands and he's had good results. And now he's done it against a really good field. So, I mean, yeah, definitely up and commerce guy's the limit for him. Yeah, uh, Webster made an early move, uh, and I think that's why he might have flattened out. And Farbridge uh, got such a dream chip last time. I loved him last time, didn't like him much this time. Matt, that's just a, a visual play, right? You see a horse getting a perfect trip the time before, and now Farbridge was four wide in this race. He could easily win next time. It's just one of those situations where uh, there's not a lot separating these, and trip matters a lot. Agreed. And in this one, I was alive to Farbridge in a really big double. It was the second half. And I started getting all the wrong vibes. Uh, the action on the board didn't look right. The track didn't seem like it was playing predictably. And so thankfully, I hedged with the right one. Uh, I was trying to find someone on the front end. But this was this was a tough race and a, and a little bit embarrassing. A tough race to have more than one horse, in my opinion. But you take what, you, you take what the track gives you. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Amster. Jeff, thank you very much for this comment. I have some pictures also, Matt, uh, guys we're going to show. All four of you had great, including Matt, of course, who was not on with our group, but he was on earlier in the week, had great TV interviews with Seth Mara on Capital OTB. Uh, guys, we have a lot of shout outs that we need to give on this show. One of them is Seth Mara. Uh, Seth, if you uh, hear this or see this, thanks again. I know, Pete, you send a, an email or a tweet. I think it was a tweet, if I recall. Uh, it was really cool, and I have a picture of all of us being on, which I'll – actually, I should show right now if I'm – unless it's a host fail. I'll see if I can get to that. But, that, uh, Matt, you enjoyed the time, especially. You had a full half an hour just uh, on your own, and Seth said he wanted more, but uh, he had to pay the bills, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's up to him, but I'll say, as someone that historically has been somewhat camera shy – he made it super comfortable and super easy. I could have talked to him forever. Super good guy. And yeah, he, he was willing to take it wherever I wanted to go. So it, it, the format could have been easier. Pete, I don't want to speak for you. I think this was your first time on live TV. If not, you can let us know. But here's a picture of all of us there. It's a little bit blurry, sorry. And not everyone's smiling because this was, I just grabbed this from the show there. But you see uh, Kyle Roscoe and, and Patrick Kunzel join in at the very end. I, I have to say, guys, I don't mean to sound sentimental. I, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to keep it together this, this entire show. But just looking at this picture, um, I know, Matt, you're not in it. but And Charlie's not in it, too. This is really damn cool for me, selfishly, guys, just to get everyone together on a show. And I thought we we crushed it. And it's just to bring everyone together was, was special, Pete. But your first time on live TV, how did it feel? 
It felt good. I said, the only thing that was weird, two things. First of all, Paul stepped on my mic about five seconds before we were about to start. So it freaked oh me out because I had to reattach my <laughs> mic and I couldn't find the little clip correctly. And then second, I was right on the end. So I had the TV, the, the live view in front yes. of me. And every time I would turn, I would turn like about you know, a half a second later. So he kept freaking me out. So I'm like, well, stop looking at that stupid thing and just look at the camera. But I was at a bad angle. So the TV was right in front of me. So that was it. Otherwise, when I watched it, it wasn't, you know, no embarrassing things and got to call my dad a degenerate on live TV, which is always fantastic. So I had a great time. Thanks to Seth. Thanks to everybody who, you know, allowed us to do that. Yeah. Paul Seth does a great job. It's important it's important for us to be on the show, not really for publicity purposes, but more just to verify to the horse racing world and his viewers, you know, that we're legitimate podcasts and that he believes in us and um, really more for everyone else rather than us. It's nice to get that kind of, um, we don't need our egos boosted. I don't really know how to describe it. Like Paul, affirmation nice for just that we're doing a good job. Satisfaction, yeah. Paul. Yeah, and uh, I, I agree. And uh, Seth is a big fan of the show. He, he told, he said it on our show and, he said it on live TV the other day. He, you know, he, he watches it at night while he's handicapping. You might be watching right now. Might he's be. handicapping Hi, Friday if he is. <laughs> Hi, Seth. But, uh, yeah, he's out there a couple of hours every day, uh, every racing day. And uh, Anyway, and uh, he he really manages to get everyone on that he, he should get on. You know, you had Jennifer Kelly on today to talk about her books. And you had Lisa Lazarus last week and, you know, he, he's covering the hard news, the soft news, the features, and, and three knuckleheads from a podcast on the internet. Absolutely. I will laugh. There were two people that you were – I don't know who they were. One had an NTRA shirt on. They were on maybe right before us. Right after the show, it was at the bar, King's Tavern, and we're like, hey, I know you guys. You were just on the – so ran into them and talked to them for a second at, at King's Tavern, which I want to give a shout-out to later anyway. But that was funny, running into Oh, you want to tell Pete who that was? I'm sure you saw them. It, it was – yeah, it, it was someone from the NTRA. It was not Tom Rooney, uh, the no. president and CEO. I had talked to him during the races Friday, but I believe it was uh, HISA-related. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the last race. I want to just briefly, and you know, I, I said, we're going to talk about the good things first. When I say good things, I mean, the, the, the race quality was excellent. Unfortunately for many people, especially after race eight, which we'll get to a little bit later, I think we were all wish, hoping for Cody's wish to take care of business and sort of uplift the whole crowd. It didn't work out that way, Paul. And I want you to talk specifically uh, about this race. I bring up the, Results white a barrio for uh, Rick Dutro just absolutely exploded in the stretch with a 110 buyer and upset uh, the field and won at let's see the odds were uh, 10 to 1 for white a barrio over Zandon. Cody's wish just just was flat, just didn't fire. Uh, but white a barrio apparently now is going to be rested. Here we go, guys. Rested up to the Breeders' Cup Classic, will not run for the next three months because apparently he runs better off the break. Who is it for me to say? He looked good in the paddock. He ran huge. Xander ran well, too. Paul, let's talk about Cody's wish. Before we get into the Dormans and all the other side story, tell us what you know specifically about why he didn't fire, what exactly happened. He finished third in the Whitney this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've heard that horses can't talk, so you you really can't ask him. Uh, I, I talked to Junior for a little while on Sunday. Uh, mainly for the purposes of a book. I just kind of wanted to get his thoughts the day after and, 
you know, obviously had talked to him after the race and he, his feeling was that whether they ran six furlongs, seven, eight, nine, or 10 furlongs Saturday, he was getting beat. It just, he, he doesn't have an explanation. He said he warmed up. Okay. Not great. Um, he's usually a little ornery in the gate. He was a little ornery in the warm up, and usually he, you know, we saw the move the last two races. He literally dragged junior into those races on the turn. Junior said, I, I knew when at the three eights pole, I had to start asking him, he said, I knew I was in trouble. So, you know, again, after the eighth race and then that, you know, <laughs> as I said to my wife, when I called her later that night, today has been one great big suck burger. <laughs> uh, that's my noun for it. I don't know if that's in the urban dictionary, Matt, but you could look it up uh, later and let us know. But, uh, you know, it's uh, without getting into too much about how it affected me, Howard, I was covering the test for the special. Uh, what ha- We all saw what happened. We'll talk about it later. Obviously, no one really wants to talk after something like that. Understandable. There was no winner's circle. Uh, the Godolphin people who are all class no winner's circle photo, no trophy, no flowers, no anything. Um, so it's, you know, it creates an issue for <laughs> for a journalist trying to write a story. Well, fortunately, we have Sean Clancy on our team who was able to uh, connect with Brendan Walsh, the trainer of Pretty Mischievous, who was the, you know, at least on paper, the winner of the race. So we called an audible and uh, Sean wrote, just a truly phenomenal story about the test. I mean, it's a masterclass in journalism. I encourage anyone, go find Saturday's Saratoga special. And I, I, read, I read it on the plane ride home. Matt read it first. I believe I met you read it first. You said you got to read this article. I read it on the plane ride home and it was, it was so well written, Matt. I don't, I feel just have to, the last paragraph almost made me cry. It was just, you know, it was uh, just, it was just, just yeah. Told the whole story uh, and just uh, just a master class in in journalism, I thought, Matt. Yeah, agreed. Uh, really well done. And as I joked with you, Paul, I think the uh, the collateral effects of that reassignment, <laughs> you did your part as well. And you definitely did the right thing in missing dinner and all that. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah the collateral damage. So, you know, again, it, we called an audible. I jokingly said to Tom Law. Because Sean texted us and said, I'm with Brendan. And I said, well, if he's with Brendan Walsh, then he's going to, he's certainly going to get more than I'm going to get. And I kind of half jokingly said, does he want to swap? Because Sean covers the big race all the time. And that's the Whitney. And uh, they said, yes. So, you know, uh, on what was really a lousy day, you know, the fact that those guys had enough confidence to leave the Whitney with me, uh, you know, that that was uh, that was a minor bright light would have been a lot easier story if Cody's wish had won. I, I had that all done in my head, but uh, you know I did the best I could with it. But I was in no position to. I was writing till ten fifteen, so I was in no position to join you guys. But uh, you know it all worked out, and and I think I'm I'm really proud to be a part of the special. I think that that edition kind of shows shows what the paper is all about. There are two comments I want to bring up. Do you want to, Paul, talk about this? Uh, Gizmo Hardy. Gizmo, thanks for joining the show. I'm not sure we've seen your name. Said, why isn't anyone mentioning the fact that Cody's wishes, uh, both of his back feet slipped out of the gate? He's a bit of a, he's a bit quirky in the gate. We've talked about this 
Paul, I'm going to, I listen, I, I don't own the horse. I don't train the horse to me that had very little to do with it. Cause he's really not a speed horse anyway. Any thoughts on what Gizmo has to say at the bottom of the screen there? Yeah, and, and it, it actually it was it was like a after a stride. You know, he, he came out of the gate and then kind of stumbled a little bit. Junior thought it cost him about a length, but you know that's a length with almost a mile and an eighth to go. Okay. Uh, that that's not that's not why he lost. I mean, it's not ideal, certainly, but that that's not why he lost. I mean, the pace, you know, you, you can't discount. He definitely didn't have his day, but. I think we all expected something more than 24 and change and 48 and three. Yeah. Um, you know, the way it worked out, it, it just didn't materialize. And no. it, it sure. likely would have been pretty difficult to come from last into those fractions anyway. Yeah. Uh, charge it did not charge it at the beginning. And that really created uh yeah, that was an interesting strategy. So, uh, here's what I do next guys, before we get into the weekend specifically, Matt, I want to talk to you here just for a minute because a lot of things happened before the weekend and, and look, you and I were there specifically. Uh, well, we, we went early. We, for those of you who don't know, again, Matt and I were there since the previous Saturday, we were actually there for eight days. It was not part of the plan, Matt. And I have to say, one of the best ideas I think I've ever had in my entire life, and I haven't had many of them. So I'll take a small amount of credit for deciding to go early, Matt. And your then, idea? And, well, I said we should go, and was it not? I, I no. Oh, You're your not the story your I idea. got. As your intrepid journalist, Tyler, that is not. Well, the I said that. I said. Well, okay. <laughs> Okay, maybe it wasn't my idea, but I brought up the fact that my horses are running early. Maybe you said, let's just go early. I don't remember how it works. We we went through a classic risk-reward, cost-benefit analysis. (laughs) Okay. Honest to God, and right, at the end of the day, it was a gamble that the first horse would get to even start, given the rain. It wasn't a certainty that either would see, you know, an in-the-money finish, and uh, it was a good gamble. It was the first. All right, I'll, I'll give I'll give you. I could care less. I'll give you all the credit for deciding to go. Early. I really don't care. But one of the reasons why we went early uh, was for what happened a week ago Sunday, and I just have a winner's circle picture, Matt. That um, I, I'm going to love forever. It's a little bit hard to see. I'll see if I can <laughs> make it. Actually, I can't. I can make this a little bit bigger. But circled there. Uh, is here. I am right there. You are right there. Certified lover boy. Unbelievable. Nine to one. Fantastic uh, training job by Ray Handel. An absolutely perfect ride by Dylan Davis. We were watching it together, buddy. I'll never forget it. Gave you a big hug afterwards. Looked up in the sky. Um, quite emotional. Went down to the winner's circle. I, I mean, the fact that my, you know, a horse that I co-own uh, won a small piece of, but the fact that it was the first time I was at Saratoga to watch one of my horses run in person. Actually, the first time I've ever watched any of my horses run in person was the day before. Anyway, this horse won as easily as a nine-to-one can. It was just, uh, I don't know what to say. I'll let you talk more. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, and it's not, you know, to the listeners, it's not BS. I didn't have a dollar on this horse. Uh, I have a personal policy about not betting on friends' horses because, in general, if they lose, you're already miserable. And if they win, I don't think the money really adds enough to make it that much better. Maybe I can rethink that at nine to one, but we didn't, we really didn't think the source was going to win. No, we so uh, it is funny that after this was all said and done and I got a chance to call home, I said to my wife, I think we made about a million bucks this race. And I'm not kidding either made or saved. I'm not sure because 
Uh, the Adelphi experience, this is not a paid commercial, by the way, uh, could not have been any more top-notch. Uh, whether you're a fractional owner or an entire owner or the friend of a fractional owner, uh, honestly, I felt like I got the, the owner's experience without having to invest a dollar in all of this. So save me a whole bunch of money of trying to invest in horses, trying to find a Saratoga winner. The experience was top-notch, and thanks to Matt Peter and team, we, we had a dynamite time. Now, they're Adelphi. I can't say enough good things about Adelphi. They're a sponsor of the show. We went to the shed row a bunch of times, Matt. You spoke Spanish to one of the horses in case the horse didn't speak English. It was it was classic. Uh, before we get also into this past weekend, I, I want a, f- a few shout-outs uh, also. And Pete and Paul, you're mentioning this. Matt and I bumped into a few people that will be on the show going forward that we have not yet had on the show, including Jose Santos Jr., who is the um, uh, agent for Raylu Gutierrez, Adam uh, Bishiza, many other really good jocks. We're going to get him on the show. Uh, Matt, you and I bumped into, literally, uh, Jen Antonucci three times in a row. Guys, uh, Jen Antonucci will be on this podcast live in the next few weeks, so we're very excited for that. Of course, the Belmont Stakes uh, trained uh, Archangelo uh, winner, of course. We're going to have her on. Uh, the Meg is going to come on as well. He gave us a backstretch tour, uh, Matt, which was fantastic. So, again, uh, uh, Donnie Nelson, Marshall Graham, uh, the Dormans, uh, Paul Haller and his barbecue. I mean, Matt, we can go on and on to the people to thank the hospitality, the food, the events, the whole week. You can't control the weather can't control some of the unfortunate circumstances. Everything other than that, Matt, was just absolutely spectacular. It was completely incredible. And, you know, for listeners that where this sounds just a little bit too good to be true, uh, honestly, five years ago, I joke, I would have been on the internet waiting to buy tickets first in line with everybody else. And next thing you know, you have a few connections here and there. And we got taken care of just incredibly well. So I echo all of those thank yous. Uh, Ronnie Salivo at Salivo, obviously. He was terrific. The folks at Sweet Mimi's who hooked us up with an entire tray of cinnamon rolls. Uh, We could go on and on. The people were just phenomenal. Uh, Joining the show, host of Ben and Boozin (laughs) from the woods of Wisconsin, Kyle Roscoe. Kyle, thanks for joining us, buddy. How are you doing? Absolutely. Good, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, great, great timing because we're going to talk. Big boy. About... What'd you say, Kyle? We're just. I said, adding... "What's up, big boy?" Nothing, man. Just chilling. In the super quiet out here, which is nice. We uh, we're we're just finishing the good part of the show, Kyle. And we'll get you involved in a second, Pete. Let's jump to you. First time ever at Saratoga. Uh, your good, uh, your cousin Nick and, and a buddy or two. It's good to uh, see those guys. Just tell everyone very briefly your general thoughts uh, about Saratoga being a first timer. Yeah, no, I think the the one thing you always appreciated people saying is that the town is cool and and just the area is cool and the track itself is cool. So you, you throw out the racing part and the gambling part and all of that. And I stayed. I'll give a few shout outs while I as I talk through. So I stayed at the saratoga dreams bed and breakfast which is literally right across from the entrance and it was the perfect location i could see the track from there 
by the way, run by two of the most wonderful ladies I've ever met. Too bad they have to sell the place because COVID kind of screwed them a little bit. But it was a fantastic place. If anybody's going in the next you know, few weeks, check it out. It was kind of awesome. But just the location and sort of the, the neighborly feel of just the town and the street and around Saratoga was the thing that I liked the most. I mean, once you're in the track to me, once you see it the first time it's horse racing, it's the same thing. You bet on Saturday, me, my cousin and my friend, we stood at a bar and we drank all day and we watched on TV. We watched a couple races outside. We barely moved except to talk to Paul and his crew behind us. But for the most part, once you're there, it's the track and that's awesome. I love being at the track but it was the surrounding area and everything that went around with it. And King's Tavern, which was next door, which I mentioned earlier, King's Tavern was our hangout. We spent so much time just in there having beers, drinking. They were super nice in there and just friendly. And everyone everywhere was just super friendly. Um, yeah, well, here, here's the funny thing. You say Bigfoot. So when I walked in, so we got there late Thursday. My cousin and I, we were at, went to PTF's house where all these guys were, where I met everyone except Paul for the first time. The thing that struck me the most was when Kyle, Patrick and Howard stood up. I was like, what the hell? These people are freaking giants. Why are they so tall? I feel like an idiot. Like, yeah, but compared to me, I'm not very big, but I was like, Kyle stood up and it was like standing next to Shaq for a second. And then Patrick was like Kevin Durant. Cause he's just long and skinny and stuff. And I was like, all right, I like it better when we're on screen because I don't feel so tiny, Matt. And I wasn't going to say you, cause me and you, I think are roughly around the same. So but it, that, it was just awesome. It was awesome to meet everyone for the first time. Although PTF made me, you know, I had to break into his, his daughter, locked the door, I had to break into her room. So I was dripping sweat. So, but I got some in the money whiskey out of that. So all in all, it was fantastic. Got to hang out at Paul's on Friday night. Like you mentioned, um, Friday was in the box. Thank to Ross in the, in the chat. Normally he gave me and my cousin got two seats to the box which was even funnier because we went in the box and there was just this elderly, not elderly. I want to say that maybe 60 couple. And they were the nicest people in the world. Wound up sitting with them drinking because the race got canceled right while we were sitting there. So we're like, well, screw it. Let's order some drinks instead of trying to wander our way out. We sat with people. It was just, everyone was so super nice. And Lee at the four star Dave bar, best bartender at Saratoga. So that's everybody. I think I hit everybody there, and I blabbed on for long enough. Uh, Kyle, first, where are you, number one? A few people are asking. And then number two, your first time also at Saratoga. You've now been to probably many more tracks in person than you ever thought you would have in the last two years. But talk very just briefly about yeah. your thoughts on Saratoga racetrack itself. Well, I'll tell you what, Howard. At least in the past year and a half, like you said, I've definitely been to a lot more racetracks. And it says it doesn't stop because – Shout out Santa Anita in November, but first of all, where I am, I'm in very northern Wisconsin. I couldn't even tell you that. The, I think the town was two streets out here, <laughs> but I will give everyone kind of a view of what I'm looking Ooh, at right now. Nice. Just a big northern Wisconsin lake. It's amazing. Um, shout out to all the, the old couple, speaking of old couples, Pete, uh, that run <laughs> this joint. They couldn't be the nicest, Pete. They couldn't be nicer, um, but Sarah, first time at Saratoga was absolutely unbelievable. I was there uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, for people that don't know. I got there Thursday morning. Uh, the gracious host of this podcast picked me up from the airport and ended up being extremely late for the people at Airbnb trying to get him out of the house. So that was a funny start to the day. But 
anything other than that, I mean, I had a great weekend, both betting wise and just being there with uh, amazing people. I'm sure you guys already shouted out a bunch of viewers that we met, but um, Dave Poirier, Nick Feldman, um, just a bunch of people that we were able to meet for the first time, not to mention Pete, um, who I met for the first time, and Patrick as well. Just getting to spend uh, a great time with great friends. It's just, you can't really beat anything better. And the fact that it happens to be at all of our passion, which is a horse track, just makes it 20 times better. Yeah, and shout out to Peter Thomas for Intel as well. Who, uh, unfortunately, the weather was awful. We were we're going to be we were going to watch a movie, or let let it ride, and he had a nice dinner for us anyway. So shout out to PTF Kyle. You already mentioned something. I hope you're not being embarrassed, but I got to bring this up. And every time I watch this, I wanted to film this, Kyle and everyone else, because it, it literally almost brings me to tears. I, I think it's so cool when you can meet people for the first time and bring people together. And you and uh, Patrick, of course, have known each other for quite a while mm-hmm. through the TV screen. But this was the very first time these two ever met at the 1863 Club. And we we filmed it here, and here it is. I'll just go ahead and show it all the way through. Uh, it's special, Kyle. Real special, man, uh, to see you guys together for the first time. I know I know you got them by a few inches there, but that's just – I mean, I could watch that over and over, Kyle, honestly. Yeah. That makes me so happy to see that. It really does. That, I mean, that's awesome that you got. I didn't even know you got that video. That was the first time I've ever seen <laughs> I'll send that, it to you. Which is, please Pretty do. Cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> after Matt, um, Matt's like, let's go check the upstairs of the 1863 club. I want to go see what's around. And he comes back down. I see Patrick down there. I'm like, I look at him. He's like, I didn't give a crap what the hell was up there. I just wanted to take you away. <laughs> uh, it was, a t- I mean, just me getting to meet guys that you feel like you know you know, through the podcast and just knowing them online, it's kind of works just with anything, you know, right. If you meet people online and you meet them for the first time, but the fact that Patrick and I had done God, 33 episodes of Ben and Boozing together, uh, 33 weeks in a row and then getting to finally meet him in person. Yeah. It was a special moment for sure. And obviously carried throughout the weekend as he got there. So try, it was awesome. try tripling that, Kyle, because how, Paul, how many shows have we done together with Pete without seeing That's him? True, and yeah. We saw him, right? <laughs> so quite a few. Absolutely. Um, okay. I think that any, before I, well, one other thing, let's, let's show this. Uh, I have one more picture I want to show and I apologize to Pete and Paul who are not in this picture, but this, this next picture is very special. And Matt, I'm gonna let you talk about who we see on the screen here. This is the BC, the, the, the vaunted BCB, whoops, sorry, the vaunted BCBC crew along with a few other additions. Matt, from, from our left to our right, why don't you talk about who we see on the screen and just talk about the unbelievable hospitality we had. I know Pete and Paul, you both got to see where we were hanging out Thursday through Sunday, uh, Thursday through Saturday uh, because of the great hospitality of Niver Betts, Donnie Nelson on the first turn there at the gazebo. Yeah, this is not an easy crew to crack into. So uh, <laughs> Nick Feldman is second from the left there, and my brother is second from the right. I'm not sure that either one of them is yet a full-fledged member of the crew. Sorry, David, as well. Um, <laughs> both well on your way. Uh, Brad Anderson, BCBC 2019. And actually, as now you know, Howard, someone I used to work with for a long time on the left. Uh, there's Nick, there's Kyle, there's Drew and his wife, Nancy. Drew obviously won the BCBC this year. There's me, there's Philly Joe Metka. 
Uh, your viewers may recognize him. He was one of the, I think he was the winner of the inaugural World Horse Players Tour. That was, uh, I know you can find that on YouTube, but that's televised somewhere. Uh, longtime big player, big heart, terrific guy. Also friends with Marshall Graham and Nick Tamaro and that crew. So it provides some nice intersection with that group. And then obviously Howard, my brother David and Patrick. So yeah, this was a terrific group. We were sitting right on the rail, just outside the 1863 club. We had a nice gazebo. So in case it was drizzling, which happened a few times, we were covered. We had fans. They even had uh, security out there, which was nice. And we had access to that club, which had terrific food. So I know you said it before, but thank you so much to Donnie. Uh, really the fact that we had inside and outside coverage we just, it made it very easy to just go wherever we wanted. And yeah. yeah, it's a luxury that I think, you know, all of us very well remember not having. And so it made it all the more special to have. We we could go on for another hour about all the great things, but uh, because we don't want this show to go too long. And of course, uh, we talked about this before you came on, Matt and Kyle. Look, you can't always look at horse racing with rose-colored glasses. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. there's some real unfortunate things we have to discuss. And, Paul, I want to bring you in here first. Um, you've been to the track longer than all of us. Um, you've seen more than any of us. We've all seen plenty in our day. And, and um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Can you just first, you know, I'll put on my journalist hat, just describe your personal emotions watching the end of the test on Saturday with Maple Leaf Mel. Well, I was, uh, unfortunately watching from up close, I was in the winner's circle and oh. you saw where it happened. It happened about, I don't know, 10 yards before the finish line. I, I think I was about 30 feet away. And, uh, the, the one image I'll never, in addition to, to poor Mel, the, the, the visual of Joel Rosario just kind of being propelled to the ground. It reminded me of, you know, sometimes you stop your car short and centrifugal force. You didn't think I knew that, Howard. <laughs> centrifugal force carries you forward. Um, you know, and he went down and then, you know, the horse goes down and it, it looked bad. And then, you know, then when she got up, because, you know, just like us, you fall down, your instinct is to get up. And, you know, she got up and you could tell that the, the right fore front leg was... Totally, totally gone. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's not only the worst thing I've uh, ever seen at a racetrack, and I've been going to the racetrack a long time. I've been thinking about this, and, you know, thank God I've never seen anyone die in person. It might be the worst thing I've ever seen, period, in my 60 years on this planet. Wow. It, it, it was just – and then, you know, and it would be horrific with any horse, right? But you get into the story and – you know, she's going to go six for six. She's on the way to the Breeders' Cup. Bill Parcells, who's a the one of the best football coaches of all time, tremendous ambassador for the game, has sunk a ton of money into the game. He's got his daughter and I believe all his grandchildren at the track together for the first time or one of the first times to watch her run. Um, Melanie Giddings beat stage four cancer. She probably isn't supposed to be around the trainer. So it, it was just uh, – and you, you guys were there. You heard the collective gasp. And you've never heard a crowd of 40,000 go from cheering to virtually silent in five seconds. So um, 
yeah, it, it was, as you said, Howard, there's, there's really no words to say how, how horrible it was. Kyle, let me get your reaction. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how long you can be with us here. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, there were, from what I understand, there were women crying. There were men crying, you know, uh, visibly, physically sick. Kyle, you should not be embarrassed at all when I tell people I could tell you were shook up emotionally yep. from it. I mean, we we, we we were all shook up. We we walked down the shed row several times of Ray Handel's barn. And I know, I, I think all of us feel this way, but I think you and I, maybe more than anyone on this um, screen, and I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone, have some kind of special love and feeling for the horses themselves. I mean, petting them, you mm-hmm. know, snuggling up to them, whatever. Um, man, that was... Uh, that I know your 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 feelings now. Please tell everyone the kind of view we had, not not graphically, but I mean, the view that we had down the track because we unfortunately and fortunately had a unique perspective where we actually were able to see behind the screens that were put up for a short period of time because we are looking straight down the track yeah. from that first turn. Yeah, and that's the one thing is I don't want to sugarcoat what um, what we saw because it was. It was a really special moment, you know, seeing her come down and I'll give full disclosure here. Um, I said this to multiple people in the group, Patrick and I were watching. um, And again, for full disclosure, I had a bet on pretty mischievous. So when I saw her not, you know, she's a long winded. So when she wasn't coming, I kind of looked away. I wasn't necessarily looking. I thought I lost. I did too. Mm -hmm. And then I heard that collective gasp of 40,000 people. I turned back. And I didn't see her on the ground. I turned back and saw her uh, basically limping up the track. And I've personally never been so disgusted to win a bet in my entire life. It really was um, Patrick and I were watching. And once I heard Patrick start you know, yelling at what he saw, I looked and yeah, it was, it was, it was really bad. And the fact that, behind the screens and again we're not sugarcoating it here we're giving it like it is um you know seeing her get laid down um behind the screens was just it's not a sight that you ever want to see and even whether you're a you know casual fan of the game a hardened horse player or anywhere in between it's never a sight that you want to see and um between, between Patrick and I there was a lot of I think there was probably 10 minutes of silence in between that because neither of us, you know, even though both of us hit bets, you know, there was just no emotion. You never want to win a bet like that. And let alone, you know, we were always saying you would be willing to give it back for something, you know, for something like that to not happen. Just just so unfortunate and, you know, condolences to everybody involved. I, I have to admit something a bit embarrassing, guys, but I think I need to be true to myself and everyone on the show. I After the first quarter of the race, I was really frustrated because I was trying to beat Maple Leaf Mel from a betting standpoint. Yep. And Philly Jamecca guys gave me a hard time, Matt, because he's like, Howard, you're so negative. And I just, listen, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong, but I know pace well. And the minute that Joel didn't, uh, or excuse me, that I read on the seven, didn't go after Maple Leaf Mel, I knew I was in trouble financially. Mm-hmm. And as they were approaching the wire, I just started walking away because I knew I had lost the race. And I was a little bit disappointed. And I really didn't turn. I, I, I just out of the corner of my eye, I saw something weird. And then you guys know my hearing's not great. And I heard like some kind of gag. It was weird. I didn't actually see it happen in real time, the whole thing, which actually I'm glad mm-hmm. I I yeah. did. But uh, 
Pete, I'm not sure where you were. We're going to move on, guys. I want to keep, you know, dwelling on this. But Pete and Matt, feel free to talk about your uh, – Matt, I know you had slightly different uh, emotions. And, Pete, I don't want to speak for you. But just if you guys want to touch very briefly, then we'll move on uh, on where you were or the, or the event itself. Yeah, I mean, I'll just – I'll point out one thing that I found really interesting in the aftermath of all this. I don't know that this is a specifically <clears throat> accurate number, but apparently – even amongst horse racing fans, this is still true, that most people believe that the decision on what to do with an injured horse has to do with the horse's ability to keep racing. And that, <laughs> I, I was shocked that that's what people think is the decision point around these things. So glad you're bringing this up, Matt. I'm uh, sure Paul might want to touch on that too. Yeah, it is without question around whether the horse can live it has nothing to do with racing at that point. And, you know, maybe if, if the public understood a little bit better what the motivations of the various interested parties were, maybe there wouldn't be quite as much cynicism. What's up, Drew? Uh, How you doing, so, Drew? You Thanks know, for joining the show, uh, Drew. Hey, Drew. Drew yeah. Um, just... Do you want to add anything to that or Pete? I just, there's a lot of misconceptions out there, obviously. Okay, Paul, you could talk about that. I had one thing to say after. Well, yeah, I think that's a good point, Matt. And the other thing I think the general public doesn't understand is, you know, they watch sports all the time and they see guys go down and sometimes with horrific injuries like Joe Montana and Alex Smith. And they, you know, again, the non-racing public and probably part of the racing public don't understand. Well, well, what do you mean? Why do you have to put the horse down? Well, horses live on their feet. Okay, and if you saw Maple Leaf Mel with a shattered front leg, her first instinct was to try to get up. And horses, it would be so inhumane to allow that horse to suffer. Forget about racing again. Just there's just no there are some injuries in horse racing. There are no recovering from. It's not my opinion. It's It's a veterinary fact. And, you know, as bad as it is, Howard, to have to bring that screen out. The reason, you know, obviously the preference is at minimum get her on the ambulance and get her back to the barns and, you know, the comfort of her own barn. That horse was in severe distress and it just has to be addressed right away. There are 1,100 pound animals running on relatively spindly little legs. And, you know, it's a sad reality, but every once in a while it's going to happen. Fatalities are down by. 50% 50% from five years ago. They're, it's never going to get to zero, folks. So if you're waiting for it to get to zero, take up checkers or chess. It's not getting to zero. We can do, uh, we should and must do everything to mitigate it. But in some instances, it's going to be unavoidable. And unfortunately, in that case, it was unavoidable on just about the biggest possible stage. I guess Derby Day with 150,000 would be a bigger stage, but that's a pretty damn big stage when you're at Saratoga for the Whitney with uh, Cody's wish on deck two two races later. Pete? Yeah, the, the one thing that I thought, I mean, you guys hit all the, the major stuff because it was actually weird because my cousin was like, oh, she jumped up. You think she's fine? And I was like, no, I was paying enough attention where I saw the leg and I was like, unfortunately, I think she's she's gone. I think that was it looked too bad. But the... 
the one thing is the story itself. And then I thought, I wondered if this would actually be even worse than a normal breakdown because like you said, Paul, of the, the day it was at Saratoga, but also because it had some crossover stuff with Bill Parcells being involved with Melanie Giddings, the, the, the cancer stuff. So there was enough around the story where I thought it could maybe stretch in a negative way beyond horse race, the, the horse racing circles and go a little more mainstream. I'm not sure if it really had done that. I hadn't seen anything that made it to be bigger than it was, but, and then you also look at the other way and go, is this the kind of story where you hope it draws some change out? But the problem is in something like this, you don't really know what caused it. It could have been anything. It could have just been a misstep and it could have nothing to do with anything that could be fixed. And like Paul said, this is just one of the unfortunate things where it's going to happen. And it's not, it's negative, but it's not negative because somebody was negligent. It's negative because bad things happen sometimes to the best people, no, no matter what's happening. And this was such a great story and still something negative can come out of it. But again, it's not a, it's not enough of a story and it doesn't have like a cause and effect that could drive some change, which I think um, unfortunately isn't a, a byproduct that you can take some positive out of this where it's like, Hey, let's fix this. Cause again, I just don't really know. You don't really know what happened. And from that point forward, I, I think it's just a sad thing that happened and people are going to have to, to deal with it in their own way. And I think it was tough on everyone. So um I don't know if that's about it. I will say I'll end this conversation, th this part, then we'll talk about one other thing on the show, guys. Uh, kudos to a few people. Uh, nothing really has good comes out of this. But again, as you touch on, Paul, the Godolphin people, absolutely first yeah. class, said, no, we're not going to have a winner's circle presentation. And Paul, I think you'd be the person, perfect person. People are not aware. Please tell everyone what Brennan Walsh and his assistant did later in the day when they brought the flowers uh, over to M Melody Giddings uh, barn was just, uh, just, it's just heartbreaking, but so much the right thing to do just class upon class. Yeah. It was actually Sunday morning, you know, the Sunday flowers morning, never got yeah. presented. So the f they, they had to track the flowers down on Sunday cause no one, <laughs> they had to go to Naira to find out. But uh, Brendan, who's uh, about three barns over from Melanie on the Oklahoma side really doesn't know her well, but, yeah, he and his assistant brought the blanket of flowers that, that would have been draped over Maple Leaf Bell for winning the test and presented it to her. She put them on right on the stall. And uh, today, Howard, uh, Mel's little sister moved into that sure. stall, a two-year-old by the same sire. Probably, wow, so probably I did not, not know probably that. Not a, probably not a sister, per se. Will not run at the meet, but hopefully will run at Belmont. Looks like her, another gray. So, wow. Um, but yeah, Bre Brendan Walsh. If you read that Sean Clancy story as you guys did, you know, and, and I'll tell you what I did Sunday. Uh, I was not working Sunday. I, I had a what I'm going to call a well-deserved day off. But uh, I was leaving early to come home. I came home mid-card, but I, I went and sought out Brendan uh, Sunday, and I caught him in the clubhouse in front of a TV right before the fourth race, in which he had a horse, and you know, just wanted to tell him that. In a in a horrific situation, no one could have handled it with any more class than he did. And I wanted to, and and anyone who knows him is not surprised at all. And uh, you know, it's a small consolation, but it it should be. It, it's certainly part of the story and should be noted. That was it was great. And I, I, the final thing I'll say, and just the real shame for guys. I mean, what ten yards? Like two strides from 
officially winning the race. I think in everyone's mind, she won the race. And I think she'll go down in most people's minds as winning the race, even though officially on record, it was pretty mischievous. But um, I would love to see her get, I mean, she could win year on honors for female sprinter of the year. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, so who knows what's going to happen. But anyway, that, that was uh, quite the uh, tragedy. and was really horrible. The other thing I want to talk about very briefly, and this doesn't pale, pale in comparison. So let's just make sure we get that right. But we're all betters. We all love to bet. Um, the subject of the late pick five on Sunday. <laughs> For those people who do not know, um, at the very last second before, I think, race six, if I recall, literally one minute before race six, Naira, uh, Frank Miramati came on, made the announcement all the races were going to be switched from turf to dirt. Now, I think everyone on the screen can agree, if we are familiar with the situation, that switching the races off the turf was probably the right thing to do, mainly because the jockeys said it was not safe. There was another breakdown before that. We don't have to get into all the, the details. The timing, though, Paul, I'll let you address this first. And Matt, you can comment on this as well next. The timing was just absolutely awful. And we all love Naira. And I guess there was um, what David O'Rourke came on. I was at school today. There were, there were some powers that be came on apparently on Naira to explain themselves. Uh, Paul, maybe eloquently, maybe not so much. Uh, but the timing is a god-awful mess on Sunday. And you cannot screw the betters like that. I was completely shocked and appalled, Paul that they made the decision at the time they made it. Yeah. And I was sitting there and uh, it was, you know, the horses were at the gate when he announced it. And as you mentioned, it was because of what happened in the fourth race, a horse went down. I read the leading rider went down. Fortunately, he was okay. He rode the fifth. The horse was not okay. It was a Christophe Clement horse who later had to be euthanized. Uh, in the same race, Graham motion had a t horse pull up. So, but it, According to the story Tony Alavado told on Steve Vick today, it wasn't until after the fifth race that the jockeys expressed some concern with the turf, and the next turf race was going to be the seventh. Uh, there were three out of five in the pick five. Now, what David O'Rourke said today was Naira's preference was to just void the pick five, which would have been the right move, okay? Just refund everything um according to what tony said that was not an option according to the stewards because betting had started in the pools or whatever but the thing that no one can really understand is they have weather delays they have if you ever watched a gulf stream race you know the horses walk about three and a half miles before they go to the gate because they drag the post time okay <laughs> No one can understand, and according to Tony, the stewards would not let them delay because the horses were at the gate. I think if they said, look, we have to run this pick five, we're going to – it's five minutes, even five minutes. It's five minutes to post time. You now have ch a chance to cancel your bet. Pat Cummings had the video online, Howard. I don't know if you saw this, but where they put the total pool on the screen. I saw that video. And it, it started coming down. It went from over a million to under a million. So, you know, again, I, I don't think that Naira is intentionally trying to screw the betters, but 
that was a situation that was handled poorly. And I don't, I'm not even sure that it was handled correct by gaming commission rules because I read something that the races only become an all if the races come off the turf after the sequence has started. The sequence had not started. They were at the gate for the sixth race. The solution was, okay, we're going to eat the takeout. Everyone gets their money back and we're done here. Uh, Naira is, is going to try to play some catch up. Someone put in the tweet. They're yeah, going to feed. Can you want to read that? You want to read that? Cause we have audio viewers. Yeah. A hundred thousand extra on the pick five. And, you know, again, you're a math teacher, Howard. The Saturday pick five is probably going to be, what, a million and a half, maybe two million. Say it's a million and a half. Well, it's going to be, it was a million last Sunday. So it's going to be a million and a half on a Saturday. So the <laughs> takeout to begin, right. well, the takeout to begin with is only 15% on the late pick five. Yeah. You know, that's going to probably bring it down closer to 10. So, yeah. you know, again, uh, David O'Rourke came on TV today, the CEO of Naira, and said, yeah, we screwed up. So, Good. you know, Taking you responsibility. I like that. Matt, and he's right. Matt, here's the thing. Um, if, the jock- if the stewards knew the jockeys were upset about the turf, let's just say after the race or soon after, why are we waiting until a minute before post? I mean, I understand they don't want the horses behind the gate for 10, 15 minutes. So why not after race five, say we're going to delay race six an extra 10 minutes and give you a chance to re-handicap and just make the announcement then, and then people can decide whether they want to play it or not. I just don't understand why that is such a novel idea to give people more time and just change the post time slightly uh, if you want to have the pick five. Just the last second thing just blo- – I don't understand. just blows my mind. So – you, in my opinion, are describing a best case solution where they actually take the betters into account and give everyone all the time they need. I'm not that optimistic, uh, but you mentioned the name Pat Cummings before. Listeners should go check him out on Twitter. The Thoroughbred Idea Foundation uh, is this think tank that does incredible things. Pat consistently has the exact right take on these issues. And his point here is there are existing rules that govern these things. They didn't follow their own rules. And so <laughs> I probably sound like I'm even saying it like that, but that it's the truth. And so I, I think this is simply a matter of governance or whatever it is, but there was a rule designed to address this that for whatever reason they didn't follow. I didn't hear, but I think that's what Naira probably took accountability for. But at the end of the day, if weather, you know, is, if it becomes an emergency situation and they have to take something off of one surface or another, they have to do what they have to do. There just should be rules designed to protect the betters and what they did was completely asinine. The, the better way to look at this, by the way, uh, based on the way that they handled the scratches and the, the all races, the betters were essentially left with uh, having less than a pick five ticket with a with essentially a bet unit that was much higher than they would have used for that sequence had they had the opportunity to size their unit appropriately. So. Right. It, it was completely backwards what everyone was given. And 
All right, I can keep going. I'll stop. Yeah, there. Pete, you're basically playing a double. Now, <laughs> coincidentally, myself, Brad Anderson, and Patrick Hunzel, we actually ended up keeping our ticket and actually won money, which is beside the point. But, Pete, you're basically playing a double with five legs. And it was just because there were two races that were on the dirt, and the other ones were all buttons. So it was just a very bizarre, weird kind of thing. I mean, is seating the pool enough, Pete, as a better? Are you satisfied with them owning up to the mistake and doing that? I mean, how do we fix the problem going forward? I mean, that's the bigger issue, right? Well, I, th I think Matt hit the point. I mean, it's nice to do those little things after the fact, and that's all. It's sort of goodwill, and it, and it sort of tries to, to be a backhanded way of repairing the wrong. But if you're, like Matt said, the, the way to fix it is to do the right thing in the future, is to learn from your mistakes and then start to do the right thing. And if you have rules, follow them. If the rules aren't clear enough or they don't make sense, fix them. I mean, Matt's an, Matt's an attorney. You can rewrite anything, right, Matt? You can rewrite these things. Matt will do it. He's got, you know, he's sitting around. He'll, he'll rewrite some stuff for you. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll take the fee for it. But You know, it's I, funny. I met Naira's general counsel this weekend. Oh, did you? <laughs> random chance, and, and I swear I offered her free assistance. I'm not <laughs> there you go. Oh, shout you, out man. to Joy, who is a fantastic uh, lawyer. We had the pleasure of meeting her at Nove. Name drop, Matt. Uh Kyle, let, let, let's end this conversation with you a little bit, because I know you like to play Gulfstream like I do. When you have races switch off the turf and they switch it to Tapita, they, they don't use all buttons because the theory is most of those races stay together and turf horses in general handle the Tapita. So going forward, for example, Belmont, guys, is going to have Tapita eventually. Do you personally have a problem, Kyle, when they take races off the turf and put them on Tapita but make the races, you know, stay and count as is. Do you have an issue with that, Kyle? I don't necessarily have an issue with them taking off the turf, putting it to the PETA. I just think that the, the nail's been hammered pretty well here that, you know, giving them, giving batters 30 seconds before, or honestly, 10 seconds before the, the post time, uh, the post one horse is loaded into the gate is pretty much the problem, in my opinion. It's just not giving people, you know, time to change their bets, cancel their bets if they really want to and I, I obviously you can see why you know the pool is shortening as it goes into the gate but I think just the time wise is really the biggest issue here and you know as you talked about you know turf usually hold turf race usually hold well in the tapita as we've seen at Goldstream now Belmont's getting it so hopefully when they scratch off the turf you won't see as many scratches as like you did today with Saratoga where I believe Derek David Aragona tweeted out where I think they had 37 percent of runners scratch out of these nine races today. So hopefully with the addition of the Tapita races will hold together and maybe keep, you know, um, betting interest in a pick five like that. But I think the timing is the biggest issue. Just to be clear that Tapita will not be put in at Saratoga, at least not as yeah. put it Correct. At, at Belmont. Uh, final count, Richard Avalar, I actually have a small piece of Gemman 10 also. And Matt, that one finished second last week and ran real well against let's go big blue. And we could talk about that. Uh, some other time, but that was cool also. Gemman uh, 10 ran very well to finish a close second. Uh, guys, let me just do a quick whip around to end the show. Matt, we'll go with you first, and we'll go we'll go that way, end with Kyle. Final thoughts. I think you texted me, Matt, and said, I want to misquote you, the best eight days of your entire life. I'm assuming you mean a vacation. I'll let you just finish it out. Consecutive. Consecutive, excuse me. <laughs> 
Your marriage and your two daughters being born have to fit in there. Just, say, just, just eight exactly. <laughs> just eight exactly, Matt, right? So it limits uh, it a little bit. I, just the I, eight. I'm blessed. I just had a terrific trip to Italy, and I think so even that violates this. So maybe I'll just say the best eight days with the fellas I've ever had. <laughs> All uh, right. But uh, honestly, uh, the stuff we did was cool. The things we ate, the people we saw, but – uh, it was the crew we hung with that made the whole thing work so well. And uh, yeah, without getting all sentimental, we will definitely be booking again next year. I've already worked out the house, if you can believe it. So we what? got a weekend. Breaking news. Really? Yeah, that's despite you staying, uh, overstaying your welcome at the first one. Even they'll have us back, they said. So whatever. Really? Wow. By the way, for our tribes and Matt, uh, way back in the day, I can remember in eight days that worked well because the oil lasted that long. But that's for a whole that's for a whole other conversation. I'm going to hold uh, this up to that. I think this was pretty special. <laughs> uh, Pete, final thoughts on your uh, time in Saratoga? Yeah, I'll tell one one quick story. So I was there with I spent most of the time with my cousin who I grew up going to the track with since we were since we were kids. So and I hadn't seen him in about two years because I didn't make it up to North Jersey. And when I did last year, I didn't get to see him. So we hadn't hung out in like two years. And then my one of my best friends, Mike, who also came, it was her his first trip to Saratoga. Now, Mike and Nick, and the th- they used to text me separately every weekend about racing. So it was constant where it was just racing, racing all day. And I'm like, I'm sick of, I'm basically sick of having the same conversation with two separate people. So I created a text thread with the three of them, the three of us. So for the last two years, basically every day we talk horses and they've never met. So it was excellent. We actually got to meet and got to hang out for the first time ever. Two guys who had been on a text thread, which is even worse than being on camera. They didn't even know what each other looked like really. So we got to meet I got them to meet for the first time. We got to hang out as a threesome for the first time. I got to meet all of you guys. And then the last thing I'll shout out, which is fun, just if you're going to Saratoga, we did the breakfast and and barn tour and we got to go, we got to have breakfast in the morning, watch the workouts and then take sort of a shuttle to the, we went to the old tavern farm and the old tavern farm was beautiful. The people who own it, they give this presentation about, breeding horses and the sale of horses and what you look for and and how they get their horses ready for sale. So it's a completely different perspective than from the betting angle. So it was just interesting, something different. It was a beautiful farm and it's actually a winery and a distillery. And we had some vodka and wine in the morning. So it makes it even all better, but it was just a great thing. And if you're going to Saratoga and you're going to be there a little bit, do the, the barn and farm tour and you go, you see just a different aspect. If you're just more of a gambler, you're seeing something from a, from a different side, and it was beautiful. Paul, you were, of course, a fan and working as well, so it was uh, quite the week for you. Yeah, it was a busy week, and, and you know, it was made busier by, uh, you know, we were very happy to have the Dormans in town, Cody and his family, and I think all you guys got to meet them and actually spend some quality uh, time with them, and uh, I had a chance to take them out to dinner Thursday night. They came by on Friday night. Uh, they were the guests. Cody was the official guest of honor at the Friday night function. Uh, Matt Miller was photoed out for that one. Uh, and I uh, saw them Sunday right before they were headed home. And uh, Kelly actually wrote a really nice message that I'm hoping might end up in the special. They they could not have had a better time. And, you know, people are asking me, oh, are they okay? Are they okay? The horse lost? Yeah, they're fine. You know, the horse's... Horses lose. Uh, he had won six in a row. 
It happened to be 50 years in one day after Secretariat lost at Saratoga. So horses lose, especially at Saratoga. Uh, he'll be back. Everything's fine. Hopefully uh, he'll get a run in New York, and then we'll see him out in Santa Anita. But, you know, having them in town was was uh, was pretty special, and they really – they could not have enjoyed their first trip to Saratoga anymore. So, Shout-out to Kelly, uh, Kylie, Leslie, um, Cody. That is just – talk about a family that has – uh, their their thoughts in perspective. I don't think they're, although they would love to see the horse win, they've got bigger fish to fry and uh, just an unbelievable family. Kyle, you have the last word, sir. Uh, incredible week for you. Got to meet a lot of people you've never seen before and and uh, just book it up another fantastic Kyle Roscoe horse racing adventure with the BCBC crew and uh, people on the screen. And I sure hope it won't be the last, but just... You know that. You know that's for sure, buddy. That's for damn sure. But just I'll end the conversation with uh, what I echoed before. Um, You guys basically hit everything else. Just all the people that we met this week and all the people that came out to the meet and greet, all the people that came out to just seeing us at the track, noticing us. uh, You know, Howard, I'm sure, can attest to this, just him starting this from basically nothing, you know, two years ago to walking around the track and having people come up to meet him and everybody else on the podcast. We could not thank you guys more. Obviously this whole thing is due to the viewers. So um, all that, all the friends, all the camaraderie, all the drinks that were down, all the big wave buckets that were down in that gazebo all weekend, just an absolutely great time. And yeah, if we, if we met you guys, um, shout out to you guys, cause you guys made it uh, extra special. Well said. And for all you West Coast people, a, a lot of people, actually everyone on the screen except Pete, as far as I know, unless Pete surprised us, will be out at Santa Anita in November. So please come out to the Breeders' Cup and you can see everyone, uh, almost everyone here on the screen for Santa Anita. Guys, I appreciate you spending a lot of time with us tonight. It's been a great show. What do we got? We got uh, tomorrow night with Pete and Paul uh, covering Colonial Downs and the <clears throat> Million. That's going to be happening. Uh, I know okay. it's, it's, it's rough for Kyle. Very, Matt, very conspicuous, myself. Paul, that Howard and Kyle won't be on the Arlington Million show. I just wanted to. Hey, look, I got open house. I, I, I call call point that out. Don't you guys have something Pete, planned Thursday night for me? Pete, um, I give him credit. I wouldn't even have put it on the docket to come. <laughs> that's awesome. If I were him. I thought about it, but listen, we're we're a horse racing podcast. Don't we worry, we'll get it. We'll get a bigger audience with just the two of us, anyway. The, you know, early bird, early bird on a Thursday, like we always like to do. And then Saturday morning and Sunday morning live Saratoga uh, today. If you're wondering about Friday Saratoga today, Pete Visco and I taped that earlier tonight, so there is a Saratoga today Friday morning, but it is a taped episode for Cal Roscoe, Paul Halloran. Pete Visco over there, and my good friend Matt Miller. This has been your host, Howard Kravitz, episode 281 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Hope you enjoyed our discussion of an unbelievable trip to Saratoga Springs, New York, summer 2023. Look forward to seeing you the rest of the week. Crush your bets. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye.